Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I am joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Hey, y'all. All right. So what are we talking about on the podcast this week? All right. So you might have seen the title, and that's like a little bit of the deeper side. We're getting there. Don't worry. But first, first, we got to talk about this beautiful show that I found that was suggested to me by a beautiful group of queer people. And basically this beautiful group of queer people and I were all sitting around complaining about the fact that shows like Bachelor and The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise and all of its various spin-offs would be so much more fun if they were just queer. Imagine if the, everybody on the show was bi, they could all date each other, everything would be 10 times more confusing and so much more fun. And somebody, some brilliant, beautiful person was like, somebody did that. And I was like, no. And before you ask, it is not the Teal's Teal is a shot at love. It is a different thing. Yeah, no, I don't know what that is. That sounds like bullshit. Okay, <laughs> no, no, this, this is phenomenal. And let me, I'm gonna try to lay out the framework of this show for you real quick. Okay, there are 12 couples and they are all defined as sexually fluid. Two of them are non-binary. It's a beautiful time. And not 12 couples. There are, it's 16 oh, people. Oh, God. <sighs> already, already okay. messed it up. Okay, okay. From the, the title of the show is Are You the One? It is an MTV dating show yes. slash game show. Yes. Which is usually heterosexual, but yes. this most recent season, which is season, season eight, eight mm-hmm. was... Hella gay. Hella gay. Hella gay. Right. Okay, okay, okay. You're describing it. From the top. There are 16 people, two of whom are non-binary, which is thrilling, who are all sexually fluid, which is a umbrella term they were using to encompass like pansexual bisexual attracted to multiple genders people basically all 16 of these people could date any of the other 15 people and they're put in this house in hawaii and before they start filming they had to take out like a matchmaker test and they were each matched with their perfect pair in the house but they don't know who their perfect pair is they're just thrown into this house and they have to figure out who the perfect pairs are and basically if they get all the couples right without making too many mistakes, they get a million dollars. So not only is it a dating show, but it's also a game show. There's money on the line. These people are hella gay and hella, oh boy, so messy, so messy. Um, And they have to find their perfect pair in order to earn real, like, cold, hard cash. It's phenomenal. They're in Hawaii. There's so much chaotic energy. There's so much stress. They're literally always glittery. <laughs> it's so good. Honestly, it was so much fun. Did I mention there are two non-binary people? Are- and one of them is a person of color. One of them is an AMAD black person. Stunning. Truly iconic. Yes. And they are gender fluid, they said their identity was, right? They said their identity was gender fluid. Yes. yes. And then the other non-binary person was trans mask. Like, he, went by, he goes by he, they. Right. We're going to talk about him. <laughs> yes. That is actually... That is the segue. That is the connective tissue between this wonderful, beautiful, chaotic mess of a show that we watched over the weekend. 
Yeah, we also watched it real fast. It, okay, just one more plug. Just one more. Y'all, please go look it up. It's called Are You the One? Season 8. You can stream it for free on MTV.com. Yes. Okay, fine. Now we can dive into the more uh, interesting and also maybe problematic aspects of our dear boy Kai's yes. identities. Yes. So the trans masked person's name was Kai. Mm-hmm. Um, are we going to settle on he or they for their pronouns? Let's switch it up. He uses both. That's a fair point. It's a fair point. <laughs> Alright. I do... So wait, one more thing on the dating show. We kind of touched on this, but I want to make it super clear that like we're about to dive into some stuff that Kai's experience, as we saw it, made us think of about the trans experience. Mm-hmm. But like, okay, first off, y'all, this is a dating show. So, like, fuck knows what his actual experience was. Right. It's all cut up to hell to make it look more dramatic. Like, yeah. it's 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 a production. It's supposed to look like this. Also, it's a dating show. They did everything they could to make it the most dramatic in the house. That's yeah. kind of the point of a dating show. Yeah. Also, Kai is a real human. So everything that we say in here, like, we are, again, these are thoughts that watching his experience as we saw it made us think of. This is not a commentary on them as a real human being who actually exists in this world. We do not know their actual story. Of course, I went and looked at their Instagram. So now I have their Instagram and their experience on a dating show to go by, which is nothing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, dating shows and reality shows and game shows all just, they breed and thrive on toxicity and... drama and trauma and just like this individual was not at their best no (laughs) throughout the and and probably nobody on the show was really no and so i want to be clear that like it created a lot of really interesting conversations for us that we're going to share with you regarding validation for trans people who are recently out of the closet but that doesn't actually reflect on kai it's just kai made us think of this yeah kai made us think of this so we're going to talk about our understanding of their experience but like again Right. Absolutely. <laughs> it could just be a fiction. Like, it literally could be a fake story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, tell me a little bit about what you learned about Kai from your deep dive into their Instagram, and also yes. from, I mean, I guess just t- we can talk a little bit about what we saw on the show, but you're the one that did the Instagram deep dive and, like, all the interview. Yeah. Well, not surprisingly, I, an AFAB gender-fluid person, am very interested in a AFAB trans mask non-binary person in a TV show. It was very exciting. So when I did a deep dive, it's been about a year, maybe a year and a half since they shot this show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was shot last summer. And so Kai wasn't really all that open on Instagram about the experience, like when it was happening, which makes sense. There could have been contracts involved. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but they actually made a post relatively recently, like within the last few months, Um, that was kind of like looking back over their experience and talking about, it was actually mostly regarding whether or not they were going to go back on testosterone. And something that they mentioned that like really hit me hard was how wild of a trip it was for them that right before they flew to Hawaii to start filming the show, they had just started testosterone Mm -hmm. and were consistently being, um, gendered she, her, and like gendered as a woman and like they weren't being seen they weren't being perceived the way that they wanted to be perceived Mm -hmm. i will point out just for context that they also did have top surgery when they're on the on there on the show and it was fully healed so they had to have had that for a while but 
In their Instagram post, they said that before they went to the show, they were consistently being called she, her. Mm -hmm. And when they came back from the show, which I think was about two months that they probably spent in Hawaii based on... Two to three. Two to three months. They came back being consistently gendered he, him. And on the show, like I mentioned, they were pretty much just treated like one of the guys. They were always called he, him. Nobody ever called them they, them. Yeah. So that made me really think about like, oh my God, can you imagine like the first place that you are being consistently gendered what you want to be gendered being a fucking dating show? Like, oh Lord, that would be a lot. (laughs) Also, while they were on the dating show, they had a pretty toxic relationship with one of the women on the show Mm -hmm. that was very like... You're everything I need. I can't live without you. Like, I, I I need you to love me. Like, I just love you so much. And they were confirmed not to be a perfect match. And they were all like, we don't even care. Like, we'll burn the world down to be together. Like, right. it was very much that energy. Yeah. And after that, they ended up embodying a lot of what Elle and I, while watching the show, kind of uh, named as aspects of toxic masculinity and like this kind of internalized idea of like if you are masculine or a man you like are always looking for sex and like yeah. you're always like very like macho and internal with your emotions and like very like it, th- there were just a lot of aspects of Kai's portrayed personality that right. played into ideas of toxic masculinity that possibly they internalized without even really realizing it and then were playing out in this trying experience that they were going through during this dating show. Right. And I think that even beyond that, because, like, the first woman, and of course, like, it's a dating show, all these women are phenomenally attractive. This is true. Yeah, another reason. Go watch it, y'all. Because they're also, like, good, good gay attractive. Anyway, that's not the point. That's... Mm-hmm. Very good bisexual eye candy energy. Mm-hmm. None of this, like, stupid... Barbie girl uh, bachelor situation. Anyway, I've never watched The Bachelor. I have a lot of shame. This is not the point. <laughs> um, but another thing that I really saw them embodying was Jenna, the girl that they had this really, really toxic relationship with. And I will say that like Jenna on the show identified this relationship as being toxic. So I'm not putting that language into this situation. Like yeah. they came up with that language. It was toxic. Jenna was the first woman on the show who gave them like this really beautiful attention and like clearly really saw them as a man and like given the context that I found on their Instagram like we could infer again we don't know but we could infer that this was like the first person one of the first people and almost certainly the first person that he slept with that was consistently gendering him he him and like seeing him in that way yeah and like oh god is that fraught And so it doesn't seem surprising to me that then he was, like, so desperately attached to her, even when, like, I mean, not that the show saying a perfect match or not is, like, the end-all be-all, but even when a lot of context clues, including the matchmaker, said they weren't a perfect match. Right. And including her, she eventually was like, no, this is toxic. And he was still drunkenly saying he loved her. Yeah. And I think that that plays too into later episodes of the show when people were starting to, people in the house were starting to identify like, well, Kai just really needs validation. Kai really wants this like love and attention from other people. And when he doesn't get it, he seeks it. Right. And that feeds directly into what we're talking about today on the podcast. (laughs) Right. So I think that 
Again, so that's context as to what we saw of Kai. Honest to God, take that more as a fictionalized story than, like, somebody's real-life experience. Yeah, because, we basically like, read a book. We basically, we basically watched a movie. Yeah, we basically watched a movie, and then we thought about our own experiences as it relates to it. And I want to be really clear that, like, I'm not trying to send any negative energy out into the world for this. Again, beautiful, real-life human whose name is really Kai, who really exists, and who really deserves the best. And, yeah. like, no ill will towards him at all. I wish them the best. This is just something that we witnessed and we're interested in the way we responded to it and the, what it brought up in us. Right. So now you have the context that we watched of Kai and Jenna. I do suggest that you go watch it. Sorry that that was a bit of a spoiler. Kai and Jenna are not a perfect match, but there's plenty of other twists and turns to keep you interested. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is a fact. Um, but Josie, do you want to talk a little bit about like what it brought up for you and your experience? Yeah, Sure. So I think that for me, it really did ring of that sort of um, early transition desire for validation. I've been out and transitioning for like almost four years now. No, it's like three, isn't it? It can't be four. We haven't been... Wait, we have been dating for almost four years, haven't we? And I came out before I met you. Uh Uh-uh. No, that's true. I came out before we started dating. Well, starting dating is a hard line to find in our <laughs> relationship. That's true, that's true. So yeah, so I've been out for a little while, and I remember looking back on my early days of my transition, I really leaned heavily into a lot of very performative femininity mm-hmm. sort of aspects. I was really into makeup. I was really desperate to find clothes that looked feminine on me. And, like, honestly, I probably bought and or stole, I mean, they were gifted to me, but, like, stole clothes from my friends more because I thought they were feminine than because I thought I liked how they looked on me. Yeah. Similar to how I approached makeup at the time was I was just trying, I mean, I remember I tried really hard to get my hands on a contour palette and learn how to contour, and, like, I can't fathom having spent that i'm so glad i didn't spend that money because i couldn't fathom actually contouring my damn face now like why would i spend that much time which like slight interjection contouring your face is beautiful and makeup is an art it's just not josie or eyes medium of choice (laughs) yes i makeup is a beautiful thing i think everybody should wear makeup if they want to but also shout out to the sits makeup y'all please go watch the freaking show it's so good go on sorry the sit is the gender fluid character art they're not a character. They're a whole real human. Whatever. They're a whole real iconic human. <laughs> but I was really embodying a lot of that style of femininity and very much like, I mean, when I say performative, I also mean that like I was taking selfies very often and like Snapchat was my best friend. I was really, I was really looking for validation. Like I really did feel insecure in the idea that I was a woman because I had just like, I had really just figured that shit out. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of really supportive friends, but mm-hmm. not everybody in my family was necessarily supportive. And not everybody in my friend group necessarily knew how to be supportive, even if they wanted to be. And so I was just like constantly looking for that validation mm-hmm. and also constantly railing against any insinuations that like internalized masculine traits that I had, like things that I hadn't frankly unlearned yet that were a little bit toxic. I railed against the idea that those were even really a problem because I'm a woman. I can't have negative masculine traits. I'm a woman. 
It wasn't the best. It wasn't the best look for me. Yeah, <laughs> those early days. But it was valid. But it was valid, and like I said, a big part of that was that like I would send those selfies. I would try and get all of my friends to go shopping with me. I would try to be like, "Hey, can you show me how to do makeup? Can you look at my makeup and tell me if I did it right? Can you like give me nail polish?" Like, I think that's something that this is reminding me of. And I, for context, Josie and I broke up for about three months of this, which is about how long it took. Yep. And I'm not saying that's entirely because Josie was being this way. I had a lot of my own shit going on, but I'm also not saying it wasn't entirely because Josie was being this way. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just the reality of it, right? I think that also possibly it brought up a lot of me not liking my own femininity. Like, there were a lot of reasons that Josie and I broke up for those three months. But I think that something that you talking about is reminding me that I felt so strongly during that time is also, like, everything that you did had to be about your femininity in some way. Right. You were not in the mindset to do literally anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no other options. It was either validating your femininity, or it was nothing. Yeah. Or it was not happening. And and a little bit, either someone was validating me, or they were attacking me. Mm-hmm. And that was that was where I kind of sat. And, like, I, looking back, fully acknowledge it. <laughs> I admit that. And it's not bad. Like, I mean, this was a couple of months. I mean, you were figuring something out. Like, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. We're, yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to how this is not, we are not attacking, but the observations first. Then we'll right. get to, then we'll right. get to lessons. Right. Well, cause I, so, so I think that one of the things that we, we talk about, and we'll, we'll broaden this a little bit more too when we talk, but we talk about, and a lot of trans people talk about like a quote unquote second puberty or mm-hmm. a second middle school phase. Mm-hmm. And in a, a little bit, they're referring to the literal physical changes of HRT. That's not what I'm talking about right now. No. There is an awkward phase when you first recognize that you are gender expansive and you start trying to live that life when you just need, or you feel like you need so much validation just to feel seen. And it's really challenging for you mm-hmm. and for the people around you. Yeah. And it can lead to some behavior that is not 100 you know and i think that the reason it feels so middle school because like i don't know every person that i've ever known as they're coming out as gender expansive suddenly start acting like they're 14 again in some ways and it's not it's not the hormones it's not the fact that you are hormonal like a 14 year old that is not what i'm talking about it's more that like i think when you're young when you're 12 13 14 you have suddenly realized that like oh my goodness I'm not a child. I need to be seen as not a child. At mm-hmm. every moment, I need everybody around me to know that I'm not a child. I will drink coffee. I will wear high heels. I will use language that I shouldn't use. Those are some things that I did in middle school to feel like an adult. And I anything that insinuates that I'm a child, I take as an attack. Right. And I think that it's very similar to that when people first come out as gender expansive. Like, I need to be constantly projecting the fact that I am this gender and I need to be constantly validated that people are hearing me that I am this gender and anything that is even neutral is an attack yeah and I want to be very clear and that we are talking about this we're not trying to say that that's bad Mm -mm. like this is not this is something that I went through yeah this is something that Elle sporadically continues to go through yeah so I can talk about mine. Yeah, if you want to talk about yours. But I just want to, like, we're going to say this a few times throughout this episode. But again. <laughs> we're not, we are not attacking this. This is a just, this is just a facet of the transgender experience that. It's also a facet of identity formation. So, like, yeah. I've done 
I've done a lot of reading and identity. Yeah, we've psychology. Oh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> um, I've done a lot of reading and... Okay, by a lot of reading, I mean one book specifically on this, but a lot of reading that's less specifically on this, about identity formation in terms of racial, ethnic, and cultural identity formation. Mm -hmm. And a really important part of racial, ethnic, and cultural identity formation is immersion into that race, ethnicity, or culture. Mm -hmm. And so this comes from a book called Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? And... Part of the answer to that question is that part of racial identity formation requires you to retreat all the way into a group of people that look like you so you can see what it means to look like you. And at that point in your racial identity formation pathway, you don't really give a shit about other things. You only need to know what it means to be the race that you are and what people who are older than you, i.e. role models who also look like you, mm -hmm act like what do they do how do they act differently like what is what's what makes them the what makes them be like you and right. how can you be like them right and similarly if you've lived your whole life being forced to act as a gender that you are not when you finally allow yourself or when you are finally allowed to act like the gender that you are first off i think that some people feel like they need to make up for lost time so they go Hard. off <laughs> Um, but also, in order to figure out what it is to be a woman, you have to experiment. You have to put on all of the makeup and be like, is this what it means to be a woman for me? And for you, Josie, you were like, no, maybe not. No, that's a lot of, I just, I don't, that's a lot of high effort, honestly. <laughs> but like, you have to try that before you can know that that's not what womanhood is for you. And you have to, I think also get permission from the people around you to do that. And I think that's where the validation comes in that like, Yes, you are allowed to try that. You are allowed to do it. And that's part of forming your identity. Yeah, that's just, is an intrinsic part of coming to terms with and forming your sense of self. Right. Like, and, it, and, and I think my point in bringing up the racial, ethnic, cultural identity formation piece is that that's an important part of any part of your identity formation. Right. right. I think that it gets a little bit more, like, I'm going to use the word pressurized. It gets a little bit more like, an explosion in a lot of trans identities because like you've been barred from doing things. And I feel like for a lot of trans people, there's suddenly a moment that they can do things. And it's usually not like a small trickle. <laughs> it's yeah. usually all like, if you're gonna, if you have a dick and you're going to put on a dress, you might as well put on makeup and then you might as well do all of these things. And then suddenly like all the doors open at once and you're like, right. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So my experience, what, what watching the whole Kai thing brought up for me had a lot more to do with like, oh shit, that's how I feel right now still, mm -hmm. because it made me think about the fact that like being gender fluid and only having really like been processing my gender for closer to like two years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, almost exactly two years. I think I came out in like January or February. Not came out. I think I started to, like, define my gender differently yeah. in, like, January or February. That makes sense to me. That sounds about right. So the fact that it's, it's been, like, almost half the time that Josie has known about her gender identity and also that I'm gender fluid, which means I get to spend a good portion of my time comfortably not feeling any gender distress because, like, it's all either agender or feminine and those are both very easy for me. But the times that I do feel masculine, like, I just, like, I vibed so hard with, like, watching Kai, like super dramatically like 
push these beautiful women into walls and get to like pick them up and like every time that oh it's called the boom boom room y'all don't talk to don't at me it's a great show every time that he went to the boom boom room with anybody of any gender like being on top and being like super masculine and like that was and like not having his shirt on always like 10 out of 10 like I was like I can feel how that would be so intoxicating to be able to do those things right and to feel not only to be able to pick up beautiful women, but feel like they want me to as, like, a masculine person. Mm-hmm. Oh, 10 out of 10. And so, like, I think that watching Kai go through this experience and also then seeing how kind of, like, addicted he got to that with Jenna and how, like, he seemed to confuse that, like, beautiful, beautiful validation with, like, this deep, deep love. Yeah. <laughs> um really made me think of like oh yeah that like I can I can understand that because I can understand how driving that sort of validation would be and it made me think about how like much pressure that I do put on like Josie and like on myself when I am feeling masculine that like I'm very vulnerable because again if anything seems to indicate that I'm not doing it right it's an attack right I think that I don't go for like performative masculine stuff as much because like I spend so much time feeling like relatively agender that like, I don't go for performative gender stuff, period. (laughs) Um, But I, I, I understand the vulnerability and I understand the desperation for validation. Mm -hmm. And like, it was interesting to see it play out in kind of a louder way. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think that does make a lot of sense. You are kind of currently going through it. And like you said, really slowly. Yours, yours is a month. (laughs) yours is a bit delayed compared to mine because my explosion of gender validation happened like immediately upon coming out right but well all the doors opened at once all the doors opened at once and i also am dripping with binary privilege so i was able to very quickly look at what look around me and And interestingly dripping with a couple of other types of privilege too in putting on flowery things didn't it made you more likely to get murdered but not if you had not as much as if you had a different color skin true and also you had class privilege that allowed you to go buy things go buy things all sorts of things yeah (laughs) you had also class privilege basically that allowed you to have an insurance that allowed you to get hormones very quickly Mm -hmm. you lived in a state that allowed you to get hormones very quickly i lived in a city that was relatively accepting of gender expansive people right Tons of privilege go yeah, into that. Tons of privilege go into it. And so like, it was really easy for me to like quickly identify the things that I thought I needed and then demand them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whereas for you, I feel like it has taken you a while to even figure out like, I feel like you spent a good amount of time in the beginning of this figuring out like, okay, what the hell even is gender? Like, because yeah. that was a question for yeah. you when you were interacting with the early days of your gender identity. And in that time period, like, I don't know, how am I going to validate what a gender is. I binary privilege. Not exactly the expert, so Yeah. Yeah, and I think that is so much of it is like yeah, processing through like a gender first and like what a non binary gender is and what does it mean that my gender moves and like is that still valid? Okay, yeah. I guess it's still valid, but like, oh boy, did that take a while to accept. And so now you're in the stage where you are trying to explore your masculine side and your And then it leaves identity. and I'm like, well fuck. Yeah, so you just like in <laughs> In these really short little bursts, you, like, want this masculine validation. And then sometimes you don't even have time to figure out what that means for you. Yeah. And, like... And for context, this when we say short, it's on the order of, like... I usually only feel very... I only feel very masked for, like, at max a week at a time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Sometimes, too. Depends sometimes, too, yeah. But yeah. I feel like it's 
Yeah, it's 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 usually pretty short. Yeah. I swear to God, it's tied to my menstrual cycle. We're figuring it out. It very well maybe. Maybe we'll do an episode about that someday. <sighs> well, we have to figure it out first, don't we? I guess this is true. <laughs> <laughs> so far, this is the episode on menstrual cycle and gender fluidity. I think they're related. All right, y'all. Just keep thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But so now we've kind of touched on both of our experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked a lot about how this is something that just, I think, a lot of, if not all gender expansive people go through something like this to at least some extent. Yeah. And I want to say something specifically to anybody who might be listening to this, who is maybe currently in this phase Mm -hmm. and is feeling very attacked by this episode. Hello. Hi. That's valid. I'm sorry if this is making you feel attacked. That is not my intention. And it is not bad (laughs) Mm -hmm. to be in this stage. It is not bad to crave validation It is good to be aware if you are craving validation so that you can ask for it in straightforward ways so that you can get what you need from your support system. Yeah. Because your support system, probably, I can only imagine, well, if you're listening to this, I'm part of your support system. So I can say with certainty, your support system wants to support you. Yeah. But if you are deep, deep in this mindset that Josie and I are discussing, it might be hard for you to accept that support. You might take neutrality as a lack of support, and that can be really hard for your support system. So if you're more aware of where these like defensiveness and this anger and this like insecurity is coming from, it can be more easy to just be like, hey, I really appreciate doing like hyper feminine things right now. What can we do that can be both hyper-feminine and you, my dear support system, can enjoy? Being aware that you are in this mindset can help you be more aware of what you're actually looking for, which is probably not more clothes or more makeup or more makeup expertise. It is, in fact, feeling validated in your gender identity. So then you can be more open to different things that give you that validation instead of expecting like a very specific thing from your support group. You can be like... I just want to know that you think that I am X gender. And then your friends can be like, well, when I do this, it's because I think that you're X gender. And then you can learn more and you can feel more validated Mm -hmm. and everybody can feel good. Needing validation is not a negative thing. Seeking it toxically is a negative thing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so you can just sort of reframe how you are looking for that and how you think about it. And I think I kind of want to throw out as somebody who went through this and in a sense calmed down because mm-hmm. I've become like I've just learned a lot about my personal gender identity mm-hmm. over the years. I don't even want to say that like eventually you get to the point where you chill. Because that's no. not the energy. I no. mean I just I just learned about myself mm-hmm. through this experience. There's no linear path through this experience. No. But one really cool thing about this experience and one thing that makes it a completely valid and actually kind of beautiful part of being trans is that the experiences that you go through in this will eventually help inform you as to what you actually want to Mm -hmm. be. Like, I was super into makeup for a solid three months, and I have, like, six different eyeshadow palettes in my makeup bag that I have touched four times (laughs) since the quarantine started. (laughs) Quarantine notwithstanding, I I don't really wear makeup anymore. And, like, it was really powerful for me to recognize that, like, Yes, I actually do sometimes enjoy makeup, and, like, for special occasions, I can now have the skills to whip out some, like, really choice eyeshadow palettes and, like, really make myself feel pretty in that moment. 
But also, I learned that that's not something I want to do every day. That's not part of my thing. I learned what kind of clothes I like. I learned what kind of, like, language and validation is best for me. And, like, that's beautiful. That yeah. really is helpful. And it is a cool thing that you will learn as you go through this phase, even if the phase feels a little bit awkward at times. Right. Yeah. And if you are not a person who is currently going through this, but you mm-hmm. are a person who knows someone going through this, which, if you're in the gender expansive community... You probably know somebody. You probably know somebody, or you will someday know somebody, especially if you're a leader in these organizations. Especially if you're a leader in these organizations. You're going you're gonna to meet somebody who is going through this, and maybe they are not as in tune with what it is they're going through. They might be a little annoying. And I just, you know, this is one of those things where it can be challenging to help someone with this. That's a much nicer way of saying it, yes. But it's also, like we've been saying, it is a beautiful part of the growth experience that is being gender expansive. And so... It's a beautiful and essential part. And essential part. And so I would encourage you, if you are in a position where somebody that you know is trying, is experiencing growing pains around their gender journey, Mm -hmm. then just treat them with kindness and seek out ways to validate them. Don't do that at the expense of your own mental health. Mm -hmm. Don't you know, spend eight hours at a mall because they want to go shopping on a Saturday, but you hate shopping. Right. But also, like, when they are asking you for certain types of advice or support, you know, have an open conversation with them about, like, I don't know that I'm the best person to give you that, to give you support in that way. Perhaps somebody else out there would be able to. But I can give you support in this way. And also, but I see you as your gender identity. Yes. Like, I think that that is also something, like, I mean, don't be don't be shady about it. But if if you have, if you know somebody in this position and they're asking you like a million and a half questions about something that you think is like not all that relevant, or like maybe you don't feel like it's really them. Like I know I experienced that a lot when Josie was in this. I was like, I don't think that this is really. I didn't know you that well at that time, but I was like, I don't think this is really you. It's okay to be like to answer those questions, but also be like. Like, val- like, validate their gender, even if that's not the way they're asking. If they're asking you about makeup, just being like, wow, the makeup looks great. You look like such a beautiful woman or whatever it yeah. is. Maybe not beautiful woman, but, like, using hypergendered words, like, mm-hmm. using hypergendered compliments. Like, to some extent, it's okay to, like, answer the question that you think they're asking, which is, am I valid in my gender? As well as the question that they're, they're actually asking. Right. It's okay to do that. You probably won't hurt their feelings by over-validating them in their gender. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's kind of what they need in that moment. Right. And it might be easier to do that than spend eight hours in a mall with them. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> possibly. Or, I mean, honestly, maybe you all, maybe you just really like shopping and you were thrilled with the fact that somebody's asking for a new wardrobe and uh, you're going to have a nice time. Yeah, I was going to say, you can do both. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that it's just, it's just, it's a good thing to be aware of that people might be needing a little bit more validation than you would expect somebody to need at whatever their age is. Yeah. All right, y'all. I think that's where we're going to call it for this episode of Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I am joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Bye. Thank you all for listening, and until next time, just keep thinking about it. Music for Gender Journeys, composed by Sonia Badash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes, or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys, or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. 
You can also find us online at josiewrites.com slash gender journeys. We hope to hear from you soon.